Okay, good evening. Tonight, we're going to learn the Mimer. This is in the back of Torah Or. Um, there's a Hisophis in the back of Torah Or. The Torah Or, the Alter Rebbe is my Moriman, Megillah Sester, are very, very special. And this discourse is like uh, many other discourses. It's uh, very, like all the Alter Rebbe's discourses. They're, each one is a gem of a gem. Now, I'm going to split this into two weeks. I'm going to split this into two... Oops, I forgot to give it. Okay. So, um, no, they have it right. That's fine. So, um, we're going to do this in two weeks. It's a pretty long dis- mimer. And um, it's a very, very, very geshmaka uh, theme... I didn't learn the whole mimer yet, so I don't, I don't, um, sometimes you don't really know the beginning unless you learn through the whole thing, but um, I hope that if anything is left out this week in the part that we're learning, because there are certain things that I'm not that clear on, I started my preparation a little bit, a little bit late, um, hopefully it will fill in in the next week's half. Uh, we'll, uh, who knows? Sometimes when we learn, there is uh, clarity that comes. Okay, so here we go. This mimer was set in the year Tav Kuf Samach Vav. That would mean about 110 years ago, 111 years ago. No, 100 and, yeah, 110 years ago. I mean, 210 years ago, I might say. 210 years ago. Okay. So it says that Haman took the garment, and Haman also took the horse. And um, so the Alter Rebbe is going to explain in this uh, discourse what does it mean, the sus, what is the horse? Um, he's going to explain that the idea of Ayika Haman Esalavush Vesasus also exists in holiness. It was in addition to the simple meaning that Haman went and he Took that Haman is a klipa and a lowly being, and a, a antithetical being. He's from Amalek, so Haman. What Haman is doing is not a not a positive thing. Yet, even in the story of the Megillah, Haman is dressing Mordechai with the lavush and the sus. So, if Mordechai ended up on that lavush with that garment and with that sus with that horse, it must be that there is a, there's a great there's something very very great. And the fact that Mordechai was riding on this horse. Um, in addition to that, just like there is Haman the Klippa, as we're going to see later in the Mimer, all these inyanim exist in Kedusha. And even Haman also has its inyan in holiness. And the idea that he's taking the horse is something, as we're going to see soon, is actually a very, very core essential element in our Yiddishkeit. Uh, we can hardly be a Jew without without integrating this, this Indian of taking the horse. He's going to explain that a horse represents arrogance and haughtiness. The Chlalo horse is a very proud animal. A horse, you know, is a very lovely animal, but a horse has a certain thing that likes to show off. You ever saw the racing horses, they have a certain pride to them. They have such a, why is a king riding on a horse? It's because it adds to the 
to the to the godless. It adds to the uh, to the to the uh, majest, majesty of the king that he's riding on. And the king has a horse, a special horse. It's not a regular horse. It's a it's a Balgaivadiga horse. You know, they speak a lot about Alexander the Great, and he had this like amazing horse, white horse. So whenever saw him riding on the horse, they were taken by his. What is it? Was the name of that horse? In any case, the horse, and the Rebbe is going to explain over here that the horse, the word sus, is has within it is 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 one hundred and twenty six. Is samach samach vav one hundred and twenty six. What it really has is that if you divide that in half, it's two times the word gas. Gas means gas haruach. Gas haruach means someone who is haughty. So if sus means two times gas, that means that the sus intrinsically has an Indian of gasus to it, an arrogance to it. Okay? He's going to explain, however, that a, a, a person needs to have a tiny bit of arrogance in his, in his, in his Yiddishkeit. Um, it, at the beginning of our, of us, in, our, in the early stages of our avoda. In other words, ultimately, ultimately, a Jew has to reach a, a state of bittel to Hashem, of total nullification, to the point that we are totally ayin, not and nothing, as we become totally unified with Hashem, without any trace of our own yeshus chas of our own being. But in order to get to that place, it requires that a person should inculcate somehow into himself a little bit of yeshus, in which a person gets, because without yeshus you don't have the ambition. You need ambition, you need drive. And the drive comes from the idea that you want something, and you take your want seriously. If you're, so, if you're totally bottle and bottle and bottle, and you don't have an eye, then you don't have the ambition that it takes. Now, once you reach complete, complete unification with the Abishter, then God's Metzius, Hashem's Metzius is your Metzius. Then it's like Rav Shimon Bayachoi, and it's not an Indian of Gaivachas Vishalem, because it's not him, it's the Abishter expressing himself to him. It's like the Ruzhina walking around with gold clothing dressed like a, like a melech, because the Ruzhina was bottled of to the Abishter that God's kingship is coming through him. That's already the ultimate state of unification, where a Yid becomes totally united with the, with the Abishter and his expression of self is not himself. It's like Moshe Rabbeinu who fights Kairach with all of his power, right? And puts, puts, puts Kairach down in the earth because he, he was fighting against him. But Moshe Rabbeinu was, wasn't a Metzius. Moshe Rabbeinu was Vanach Numa, but yet he had Taikif, he had Kifus. That's a whole different story. That's the ultimate expression of self. It's the ultimate confidence. It's the ultimate of being when you're so not that, you're, that your, your existence is the existence of, of, of the one that's coming through you. But we're talking about something else before you're at that place, when you're still a somebody other than Hashem. So now, when you are a Metzius, now you have two possibilities. One is you can beat yourself up to the point where you say, I'm a nothing, I'm a nothing, I'm a nobody. And if I'm a nothing and I'm a nobody, then I don't have any fuel to fuel my Yiddishkeit to say that I want to be a Jew and I want to be connected to the Abishter. So what is if you want and who are you to want? So if I dismiss and I, don't, and I don't acknowledge and I don't recognize that I want, then 
then, 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 then what's going to fuel my Yiddish? How am I going to say no to my Yitzhar? I have a temptation, something is pulling me, and it's delightful. I have to be able to stand up and say, this is going to separate me from Hashem, and I don't want to do this. And I don't want, but what do you mean I? So I have to have an I. And that's the idea that he's going to explain, it's the theme of the Maimah. The idea of the sus that Haman is bringing, Haman Bichlal we know is the essence of Gaiva. That's everything you see about Haman. Haman is Gaiva. And that's why Haman is the one who brings the horse. Because it's from, from Haman's, Haman is Gaiva the Klippa. But a little bit of that, of that horse is, Mordechai needs that horse to ride on it, as we're going to see. A Talmud Chacham has to have a tiny little crumb of arrogance. Shmini shebishminis, an eighth of an eighth. That means one sixty-fourth chelik, chelik samach dalit, one sixty-fourth, because an eighth of an eighth, gases aruach of gases aruach. Shenemar, as it says, kuloi sog, which sog is icy as gas. There has to be a certain gas, something of gas. Then it says, Uma'atrele, that when the person has that little bit of gaiva, Uma'atrele, and that becomes an atara, that crowns him, Kesasa l'shabulta. Kesasa l'shabulta. The shiboles, a, um, a shibulta, shibulasa. A shibolas is a echita, yeah, a, 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 a wheat, a wheat stalk. So on the top of the wheat stalk, there's a little beard, a little something that's growing at the very top. And it's like a crown at the top of the wheat stalk. And then when the wheat is finally, you see it, like the little, little hair sticking out. I don't know, Arch Girl translates it like a beard that's on the top. And what happens, it's on it till, till, uh, till you actually cut the wheat off, and then later... You do the threshing, and you take the kernels out from the wheat stalk, together with the, with, the, with the straw that falls out, is also this little beard at the top, this little crowning um, uh, type of straw that's at the top of the wheat. So the Gemara says that just like a wheat looks beautiful when you go to a wheat field, and you see the crowns of the stalks of wheat, that they have that... A little bit of uh, that 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 um, that crown on the top, that, that beard, that hairy top that's on the top of it. In the same way, a Talmud Chacham has to have a little bit of arrogance, because the arrogance that the Talmud Chacham has actually makes him shine, only a little bit. Then the Gemara continues. The Gemara says, "Woe to the person who has it, and woe to the person that doesn't have it." In other words, it's so, in a sense, arrogance is utterly disgusting. But on the other hand, you can't get by without a tiny little bit of it, because without it, the person will be totally, uh, there won't be any motivation, and there won't be any drive. And besides the fact that the person can be stepped on by everyone. That's what Rashi says. Rashi says that people will step on him completely. So the Talmud Chacham has to have a little bit of a something. Stand up for yourself. Yeah. So Lahavan, and Rashi says, because like this people should, if, if he has a certain shtel, he's a certain stand, then, then people, uh, uh, frivolous people won't take advantage of him. In addition to that, they're going to accept his psak halacha even if it doesn't make any sense to them. Like this, if he's so humble, and uh, whatever. But if he has a shtel, a certain s- strength to him. 
Yeah, has that too. Yeah, to have a and to understand how marshal, to understand this marshal. Why are we using the marshal out of all things we say and all things that are beautiful that are wheat? A tamad chacham is wheat because chita bechlal is 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 is, twen- is equals twenty two. The Talmud Chacham is filled with the Torah scholars, filled with the 22 letters of the Torah. That's Chita. And the Chita needs to have this little shibolas, this little uh, crown uh, sasa on the top. But why are we giving this marshal dav on the, on the, for the Talmud Chacham that the, 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 this little beard on the top of the wheat? So in the beginning we need to understand what is the idea of Talmud Chacham? Now he's going to explain that the, the meaning of Talmud Chacham is actually totally antithetical to the Indian of Gaiva. The whole Talmud Chacham doesn't mean just scholar. If you be scholar, call him a Chacham. It's called Talmud Chacham. There's something else that, it's, that, 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 that we're conveying when we're saying that a person is a Talmud Chacham. So what's the idea of Talmud Chacham? Chachma, in Hasidus we always learn, Chachma means more than wisdom. Chachma is the ultimate wisdom, which the ultimate wisdom means the ultimate um, receiving of the ultimate truth, which is the truth of God, and when you receive the ultimate truth of God, then you recognize and you see that there's none but Him. And when you see and experience that there's none but Him, then you're in a state of absolute bittel. So chachma is koachma, the power of nullification, the power of non-beingness, the power of dissolving completely in the Abishter's light. Like Moshe Rabbeinu was. Why was Moshe Rabbeinu the most humble of all people? Anav Mikal Adam. Because Moshe Rabbeinu had the deepest divine experience than anybody else. He encountered God, Panim al Panim, face to face. He saw the Metzias Amitis of the Ebishter as much as one can see. And when you experience God's truth and Hashem's MS, you see that Enoid Malvade, there's nothing but Hashem. And you can't possibly have any kind of self of beingness in the presence of the Ebishter. So Talmud, so that's Chacham. Chachma is the, is, the, is the experience, Sfiras HaChachma, the attribute of Chachma, is the first of the divine attributes, the first Kalit, we might say it's the highest point of existence, that is receiving God's light unfiltered and undimmed. Chachma seeing is looking at the, at the, at the, at the truth of the Ein Sof. So when Chachma receives that light inside of it, so what happens to the, to the keli of Chachma? It's koach ma. It's the power of absolute, bittel, total nullification. A Talmud Chacham means someone who's receiving this Chachma. Someone who's a recipient of this Chachma. Because in Chachma itself, there is, there is, there is, there is really, there's really two things. <laughs> we know there is, Chachma itself is called Zakein. Zakein means Zeshekana Chachma. That the Chachma is totally acquired <coughs> in him. Those, he and the Chachma are one. He has acquired it. He's on the level of Chachma. Talmud Chacham means he's still not on that level where his entire existence is Bittel, but he's receiving from Bittel. He's, he's a, a recipient. Chachma light is this, it's like the idea that Samach Tzedek relates to it. We say there is what's called Chachma Ilah, the higher Chachma, and then there is Chachma Tata, the lower Chachma. The lower Chachma means it's a recipient from Chachma. It's receiving Chachma light. Talmud Chacham is someone who is a recipient to be able to receive the light of Chacham. So, um, and the reason we're saying, because here's the thing, someone who's Be'etzem Chacham, someone who's already on the level of Zakein Zeshekana Chachma, doesn't need this, this, uh, this crown of Yashas to help him out. 
Because I said earlier, Moshe Rabbeinu had no problem with confidence because quite on the contrary, his total bittle to the Abishter, his nullification to God was such that God's Metzius and Hashem's strength and Hashem's power came through him. If anybody saw the Rebbe, you couldn't argue with the Rebbe ever in, in anything. The Rebbe was so strong and powerful in what he said. He had a person of total bittle, but the, 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 but the most stubborn and strong person not to bend and not to be afraid of anybody. How can someone who is so bottled be some, such Metzius? And the answer is, when you're not a Metzius, when you're completely nullified, then you're... Ex- so in the level of Zeshakana Chachma, on the level of Chachma, you don't need this, what we call this arrogance, because your, your Metzius is the Metzius Amitis, is the Metzius of the Ebersht. But when we're dealing with Talmud Chacham, your recipient of Chachma, there is Bittl. But over here we're saying, don't just go 1,000% only Bittl. Because if you're going only with Bittl, then you're going to have a problem. So this Talmud Chacham needs to have a Sheminis Sheba Sheminis. That's what he's going to develop. So in the beginning, we need to understand how Indian Talmud Chacham is. The reason why he's called a Talmud Chacham because he's a recipient from Chacham. And this is the idea of how Bittl B'Metzias L'Oren Saif. He is totally and utterly nullified to the Oren Saif. He is completely nullified to the Ebishter. And why? Because the Oren Saif, the infinite light, will only dwell in somebody and in something that's, that's a keli to it. And what's the keli? Someone who can acknowledge God. Who can acknowledge? The Alter Rebbe explains it in Tanya, an interesting idea. He says that the truth of the... What does it mean? The, God only, the only sphera, the only attribute where the Abishter can truly be himself and reveal himself, where Hashem doesn't have to hide his light, but where Hashem can reveal himself is only the attribute of Chachma. Why is it the attribute of Chachma that is the only recipient, the only recipient of the Orin Saif is because the only, re, the, because what, what's the, What's the MS about Or Ein Sof? Or Ein Sof means it's the light that's infinite. If it's infinite, means that it's, there's nowhere that it is not. That means it's, it pervades all of it. It is in everywhere and in everything, which means it doesn't allow room for anything else to exist. So therefore, since the Metzius, the, the Or Ein Sof is, and there's none but him, if you want that to reveal itself in you, you have to be ready to accept that. Which means, including that you don't exist. That's like a person can be a very big believer in the idea of Einod Movado, there's nothing but God. As the Alter Rebbe says, but sometimes a person recognizes that everything is bottle besides God and him and himself. So the idea is that the recognition of the Abishta's exclusivity excludes everything, even you. So therefore, the only way to experience Chachma is by complete suspension of self, complete nullification of self. That's why the Orin Sof is not mislabish, does not reveal itself. Only in wisdom. As it is known. therefore, and what's the Talmud Chacham? The Talmud Chacham is a recipient, is someone who experiences that. See, the Alter Rebbe is negating the idea that a Talmud Chacham is someone who knows a lot of Gemara, and he knows a lot of Taisvis, and he knows a lot of, you know, you ask him anywhere in Shas. 
Of course, that's what conventionally is called Talmud Chacham. But from the deeper meaning of Hasidus, when we say a true Talmud Chacham, is someone who experiences the emes of the Ebishter, the emes of God, and obviously through Torah, that, that opens you up. Torah, is, it, it makes someone into a keli to be able to experience that. But yet, the real Metzius Inyan of Talmud Chacham is a person who is receptive to this emes of Enoid Movadoi, and therefore is living in a state of Bittl. Alkane, um, therefore, Ikr Inyan Yechudi so therefore, the main idea of, of yichud, yichud Allah means the supernal yichud, the supernal union, the yichud and the lower union, is facilitated through the Talmud Chacham. We know that our purpose in this world is to do what? Is to make a union, to unify Hashem. Shema Yisrael, Hashem Lekeinu, Hashem Echad, that's our business in this world. That type of unity in which we have to bring about to bring about the unity of God in creation, can be, can be can find, finds expression on two levels. There is the lower unity and the, lo- and the out external unity. In other words, initially we find ourselves in a world full of klipa and sitra achra. Klipa and sitra achra is in denial. It's in, deni- it's in denial of God's unity. Because it claims to, that there is other existence besides Hashem. That klipa even suggests rebellion against God. Not only... Self-awareness, not only self-you uh, uh, know, self-absorption and all that, but to the point where one can deny God, can rebel against God, and even deny Hashem. That's klipa. Our avoda is to live in this world, which initially begins as a world full of klipas, and our avoda is to clean it up, and that is by doing what? By assimilating and gathering everything into the unity of God. That's what Jewish people are all about. Our identity is goy echad ba'aretz. Our idea is to enter into the Rishus Arabim, into the public domain, which this world is, and claim this domain to become Rishus HaYachid. Turn it into the Rishus of Yechidah Shalolam. How do we do that? By us encountering all the fragmented pieces of this world, and then using all these elements for Kedusha. Using them all in, in, to serve Hashem, by thereby claiming that what seems to be pluralistic, what seems to be many, is not really many, it is really only one, yesh balabayis labirizu, there's one balabayis to this entire world. That's the idea. But, but this yichud comes in two stages. The lower yichud, the higher, the higher, the Zohar says there is a higher yichud, a higher appreciation and, and, and a understanding of God's unity. And, there is, and that is on a level where we see that there's literally nothing but Him. It's not that there is a creation, and the creation that God created the world, and He's in charge and controller of the world. No, deeper than that. There's nothing, there's nothing that exists besides Hashem. That's on a deeper level. And then there is a softer approach, one that is not so extreme, and one that allows us a little more space, and that is to understand that we exist, we're created, we're creations. But if God would pull out from us, we would cease to exist. So without Him, we, with Him we can exist, without Him we can't exist. And therefore we need to surrender ourselves to the one who's giving us beingness, the one who's giving us existence. So there, there is a little bit more, Hashem is a king over someone else. As opposed to in the higher Yichud, where there's nothing, Enoid Movadai. Mamash, the, the, the extreme experience of Enoid Movadai. So our, so Kedusha, let's understand something. Kedusha is either Yechud Tata, either the lower Yechud, something that acknowledges that it is created by God and here to serve God, that's Kedusha. Or higher Kedusha 
is Yehudiyallah, something that's totally, not, completely nullified to the point that the only thing that's there, like Moshe Rabbeinu, is not a person, is not a human being, but, a, but, but an expression of the divine. Right? That's Moshe, that's, that's Yehudiyallah, the higher you. Now he says, the main effect of making Yehudiyallah and Yehudiyallah, which means unity, unifying the world with Hashem, is done through Bittal. So you need a person who has the Bittal, who's basically gotten the idea of Bittal. That Bittal is, and that's the Talmud Chacham. The Talmud Chacham, the idea of Talmud Chacham is someone who's living with, with Koyach Ma, with Bittal, and therefore he's the one who can translate the Bittal into the world, into everything he comes into contact with. Therefore the Talmud Chacham is the one who makes Yehudi. That's the deeper meaning, it says, Talmidei Chachamim marbim shalom ba'olam. Talmidei Chachamim make peace in the world. What is the idea that make peace? What does it mean to make peace? What's the conflict? Simply you learn that people are fighting and Talmud Chacham makes peace. The deeper meaning is the very existence of creation is in conflict with God's emes. So there is a, there is a, there is a, either the Abish there exists or the world exists. So who makes peace? The Talmud Chacham makes peace because the Talmud Chacham brings the bittle to the creation. And when the creation recognizes that it doesn't have an existence other than God creating it, or that Hashem is its entire existence, then it, He makes peace. Right? So, and therefore, Alkein Ikr in Yehudi Allah, the higher Yehud. The Yehud, the Tata, and the lower Yehud, who are Yedeya Talmud Chacham. It's all through the Talmud Chacham, Davka, Ki Bechachma, because only where there is Bittal, where there is Chachma, Shaboy, because in the Chachma that's in the Talmud Chacham, Yishkan Orein Sof. That's where the Orein Sof can be. So the conduit and the channel of God into the world is through the Bittal Yidden. It's interesting. The Tzemach Tzedek brings something of Aldik. The Tzemach Tzedek brings the, 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 um, the, 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 the Zohar says by Korach, it says that the, the Eda of Korach, it says they were Kriye Eda. They were the ones, these were very Hashavah people, very important people. They were Kriye Eda, they were called to every assembly. So the Zohar says that the world Kriye Eda is missing one Yud. There's a second Yud is there, but the first Yud is missing. If you look in the words Kriye Eda, it's missing a Yud. So the Zohar says, why is it missing a Yud? Because these were all big Talmidei Chachamim, the Kairach and his assembly, Rashi Senadrais, but they were lacking, they weren't real Talmud Chacham. They only had the Bina, they didn't have the Chachma. They had understanding, but they didn't have that Bittal from Chachma that comes from seeing the truth where you're totally bugged. Adarab, they had a certain self-awareness in their, in their knowledge and their understanding. Since they, and that's why they were fighting against Moshe. Was, and they, they, were, they were fighting again. Kairach didn't want the bittel of Chachma. He wanted Bina to be in charge. He was from Levi, the Leviim are on the left side. He was lacking that bittel of Chachma. Since he was so therefore you have the knowledge without the bittel. And that's very dangerous. And they fought against Moshe Rabbeinu because Moshe Rabbeinu is the essence of bittel. They didn't want the bittel. And that's why they're the opposite. Kairach, what did we say? Tamid Chachma make Shalom in the world. What did Kairach, what is he the source of? He's a source of machlokas. The whole idea of Korach is machlokas, war. Because that's the whole idea of rift, where everything is, because only Bittal brings about unification. Bittal nullifies it. Bittal, brittle, which is nullification, unifies everything. That's the idea. Of, so now, oh, and that's also the meaning, it says, Oisri la gefen, the Tzemach Tzedek adds. Oisri, 
comes from the word oiser yud. I have to take the yud, which is the bittel, and I have to attach it to geffen. What's geffen? Geffen is understanding. What's, geffen is the source of wine, grapes. What does grapes do? Grapes have taste. So grapes represent knowledge, understanding, intelligence. It's all the idea of grapes. Bina. Yayin is bina. The problem is when you have the bina, and bina is not connected to chachma. Chachma and bina are generally trained rei and deloy misparshin. They don't separate. So when a yid learns Torah, and he never gets arrogant in the Torah that he learns, because he's always connecting it to the noisena Torah, to the one that's giving him the Torah, recognizing that he is absolutely not, he has bitl, then there's nothing greater than him. Chas v'shalem, separate the knowledge, have the knowledge and don't have the bitl, then you'll have a big pompous yesh, and that big pompous yesh can make the biggest destruction in the world. A Talmud Chacham without the bitl, then he's not a Talmud Chacham, he's not nov, he doesn't have the Chachma. And when he doesn't have Chachma, he walks around like he's whatever, and that's a very, very, very dis- dangerous and destructive being. So now, oh, so that's a Talmud Chacham. Yet, what are we saying? That the Talmud Chacham needs to have a little bit of Gaiva. A little bit, doesn't say Gaiva, a little bit of Gassus, as we're going to see. A f- 64th of it. We'll see in a minute. For who, ki b'chachma soif. For who, now, when we say the orin soif, what's the orin soif? The orin soif, as we associate it with a attribute, it's the keser. Now, chachma is the bittel that's a keli. It's the keli for what? It's the vessel for what? It's the vessel for, for, for the orin soif. That's the light of keser. And that's the light of Keser, Shanikra Ratzon, that's called will. So you have the Ratzon, the Abishter Hashem desires to dwell. Uksivin, it says in the Pasuk, The light of your countenance, because you have willed them. So what does that mean? Panim is Chachma. Chachma is called Panim. It says in the Pasuk, Chachmas Adam Ta'ir Panav. The wisdom of a person makes his face be illuminated. So Chachma is the Pneumius, the inner point. It's the face. Or Panecha means the light that's shining in Chachma from higher than Chachma. Which light is shining in Chachma from higher than Chachma? That's the Or Ein Sof. The Or Ein Sof, the infinite light, resides in Chachma. Pidish, Sheyesh Or Shemeir Lepanim. There is a light that's shining to the face. V'nikra Ha'aras Panim. It's called the radiance of the face. This is the idea of the light of the continents. That's the will. Because you have desired them. The orin soif, the infinite light that illuminates in the face, it shines into chachma. The chachma lekach kiretzisam, you have desired them. Okay. So the Talmud Chacham acts, bottom line, just to, to summarize this, the Talmud Chacham is, acts as the funnel, the, the Yidu as bitl and nullification, acts as the funnel for where the Orein Sof can come into the world and he makes peace in this world by taking everything that is in conflict with God and bringing bitl to it and having it surrender as well to the Ebishter. Fine. Vehine inyan Talmud Chacham zeh. So now we say like this, this Talmud Chacham, that his avoda is ba'av of a yira, that his avoda is with love, and his avoda is with fear, and he's really a man of bittel. 
In general, you would say he's a chassidish yid. By the way, I want everybody to know an interesting idea. Chassidus is the one that brought us the idea, concept of bitl. I don't know if you're, if you're familiar with this, but outside of the Hasidic world, the, the, the word bitl, it's not even in the lexicon, it doesn't exist. There's shlemos, there's working on yourself, there's, there is um, tikkun hamidos, and things like that. And there is anava, anava, yeah, humility, but the word bitl, nullification, is just not in the vocabulary. When you talk about it, people don't understand what you're even talking about. What is bitl? Bitl is, chassidus brings us bitl. And in Hasidus itself, it's the Alter Rebbe who's the champion of Bittl. Every mimer is about Bittl. Chachma, Koyachma, the power of Bittl nullification to the Ebesh. So the top. So now, you have a Chassid. You have someone whose Avoida is in Bittl. Keniskaliyah, as we said earlier. Amru, however, we say that this Talmud Chacham needs to have a little bit of a horse. He needs to ride on a horse. Amru, Shatzarech, Liyaz, Baishmini, Shevishminis. He needs to have an eighth of an eighth. From Gaiva. From Gasasaruach means a little bit of haughtiness. Here we're going and we're saying that the whole virtue of the Talmud Chacham is what? Is that he's a Talmud from Chachma. That he has bitl. That he's nullified. That he's not a Metzius. He's not a somebody. And yet we're saying, okay, but you know what? <laughs> this Talmud Chacham needs to have. How does it work with two extremes? What's, what's the idea? So. What's the mashal we give? Why does a Talmud Chacham need to have bitl? We say it's like a stalk of wheat that has a little beard on the top. On the top of the wheat that has this little crown. It's crowned with this little beard. So we're going to use... Now the Chazal, when they gave a mashal, it is so accurate, it is so perfect. The fact that we're saying that the Talmud Chacham needs to have a little bit of, a little bit of self-respect, a little bit of a... Of a, of a of a gestel, a little bit of a, a little bit of an, he calls it an arrogance, a little bit of an haughtiness. And it's like the crown of the wheat that's on the top of the wheat. So obviously, let's take a look at the function. What's the function of that little crown that's on top of the wheat? What does it do for the wheat? What does it do for the stock? Yuvam Bahagdam Tchilo will understand this by first, by first prefacing, Mao Inyan Amashal. What is this metaphor? The Sa'asol Shabulta, that the Shaboyles has a little crown on the top. For behold, the physical shibolas, the physical stalk of, of, of wheat, it has a little, it has straw. It's called sasa. Then you have the chita itself, the, the wheat itself. That's called the shibolas. There's an outer chaff. There's a chaff, and inside is the wheat. Now, what does the chaff do? The chaff and the straw act as a protector to the wheat. How, when do you need, and, and it protects the wheat. During the time when the wheat is growing, when the wheat is still undeveloped, the wheat would never survive in the field without this little encasement. This is a shomer leperi. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a guardian for the fruit. It's a guardian to the, to the grain. Without this straw, it would never grow. How do you know it would never grow without the straw? Because God made it with the straw. It's a sign that without the straw, it wouldn't grow. And the alternative is going to explain why won't it grow without it. it, it could, technically, it can grow. The problem is like this. There are going to be certain elements that are going to overpower it. See, the wheat is going to be staying outside in the sun. 
When the sun is going to burn down on the wheat, it's going to burn the kernels. It's going to burn, it's going to destroy it. So the, the chaff that's outside takes the brunt of the sunburn. It takes the beating onto itself, protecting that which is in the inside. Same is also, it's going to rain. Moisture, when it sits a long time, starts causing, uh, can, cause, uh, can cause things to, to, to become moldy. Moldy. So what is, now if the wheat would be exposed both to the moisture of the rain and to the heat of the sun, that would destroy it, that would destroy the wheat. So what does the Abishter do? He gives it a little coat, a little protective, a little shield, and the shield, that is that moitz, that is that straw, the chaff. And the chaff takes the, gets, gets the sunburn. The chaff sometimes becomes moldy, but it does it on behalf of the wheat. So the wheat can grow inside and not be harmed by it. Now, how long do you ever need the chaff? It serves a purpose. It has a purpose, it has, but it's not at all the ichor over here. It's here to protect. Then when you cut the wheat and eventually you process it, one of the malachas that you do is called miruach. What's miruach? Wind shoveling. First you have to, first you uh, um, thresh. What's the thresh? You're squeezing, you're squeezing the, the kernels. You're squeezing the kernels out from the, and separating the kernels from the, from the shell, from the chaff, from the straw. And then not only that, you take it, miruach means you throw it in the wind. And when you throw it in the wind, the wind blows that which is light. What's light? The straw is very light, so it gets blown around by the wind. The kernels are heavier, so they fall down. That's called miruach. So you see in the and what do you do? So you get rid of the outside, and you keep the kernels. So here's a, deep inside every single one of us is a beautiful Jew, is a beautiful neshama, that wants to serve God with absolute devotion, not only because it wants, not that it wants to serve Hashem. Hashem is reality. Not serving Hashem is not even a possibility. Because an Hashem is a spark from Hashem. It knows the MS, that aside from God, nothing exists. It knows that the Pneumius. However, when we're not yet developed yet, when we're just starting, if we would just move around in our Yiddishkeit with that attitude of just, just a, without any self-drive of I want to be a good Jew, I want to do a mitzvah, I want to connect, and it would just, then we would get crushed. The sun which would mean, as you can explain later in the Mimer, that means all the temptations which are burning like the sun would get to us. Or the laziness, which is related to the coldness that has to do with the, with the moisture of the waters, will create laziness. And this is that we wouldn't be able to have the energy. What drives a person? Raz the Rambam say, First you need Shaloh Lishma. And the Shaloh Lishma, the Alter Rebbe, is so beautiful. What the Alter Rebbe talks about Shaloh Lishma in this Mimer, Shalol means not for the doing something for a material motive. That itself is so beautiful. The Alter Rebbe's gaiva that he's talking about over here. What's already the arrogance? Not that I want to be a Rosh Hashiva or I want to be someone that everybody would recognize and give me a lot of honor. You know that everybody will, 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 will applaud. That's not even the gaiva he's talking about. The mere fact that I want to serve God and I want to be connected. Who are you? I want, and as it makes a, and, and as if like. And it makes a big difference to the Abishter that the Emma says it does, fine. But the fact that the person is suddenly so focused on that, I want, and I cannot be. So, you, who are you? He says, but that's necessary. Because if you don't have that, your chas shalom lose it completely. But only in the beginning of your revolution. Once you reach a certain point, 
where you mature in your understanding and your connection to the Abishter, you don't need it anymore. You can become like a complete channel and conduit for God that you just connect it. You don't have to have a motivation even. There's nothing to motivate, you just are. You're just one with Him. A mitzvah happens automatically because that's, that's, that's what it is. It's not a choice that you're making, as we're going to see soon. Let's read inside. Now, let's see the, the mashal. The wheat grows through the shining of the sun, and through rain, as it is known. However, the problem is like this: through the intense heat, way, uh, um, heat rays, and the heat of the sun, that is shining and kind of beating down strongly on the wheat kernels. On the wheat stalks, she would have gotten burnt. The column, she would have gotten destroyed. Destroyed completely. And so too, through a lot of moisture of rain, that are drip drop, that are dripping on the, on the, on the wheat stalks, she would rot like a kiari kavan because. Because um, decaying and rottingness, we know that moisture causes molding, things to mold, right? The damp, dampness. So if the wheat would not have the chaff, and it would just be in the field all winter long, and it would get rained upon, then it could get moldy, the wheat itself. And it would have gotten burnt. It would have gotten burnt up, and it would have, been, been, it would have gotten ruined from the heat. Hayavish, both from the dryness of the heat and from the moisture of the of the of the of the of the water. Kiyidua, as it is known, either extreme would harm the would harm the wheat. Ashalazahatam, that's the reason why Hashem created in a manner. So Hashem protected the wheat by making a moitz, making a, a, a chaff that grows around the chita. This becomes its protective gear. The protector. That the light and the chum and the heat. Of the sun. So the heat and the light of the sun should not be able to burn it. And that the rain should not be able to make it moldy. And how does that happen? The moitz mekabel ba'atzmoi. It's because the chaff takes the beating on its own. The chaff becomes moldy. The chaff takes the, takes the heat of the sun, becomes scalded, becomes burnt in the sun. It takes in all the rain, all the moisture of the, of the, of the rain. So it should not fall directly onto the wheat kernel. And until it's completed its growth, the moitz, the, the chaff, Guards and protects the wheat. Mikol Ela from all of these, which are what? Menachum from the heat, umenalechus, and from the moisture. But after the chita completes its growth, then it's not necessary anymore. So, what happens to the moitz? What happens to the straw? It falls away. Through the threshing. And all that you're left with is the wheat by itself. As it is known, and to, to prove how secondary the moitz is, how unnecessary it is later, and therefore it's considered secondary, and he proves it from a halacha. 
In the laws of Meiser, we say like this. In the laws of tithing, we have the halacha that we're supposed to tithe the grain. But the halacha is that the, that, the, that the grains are not obligated in tithing until until you do wind shoveling. Until you take the, 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 uh, the, the, the kree, kree is the, the, um, the stock, the, 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 the pile. And you take it, the threshing pile. And you take it and you, and you wind shovel it and you separate the chaff from the kernels. Until then, you're not obligated in tithing. Once you did that, now the obligation of tithing begins. If you're going to eat from now on, you have to better tithe first. But before that, you're allowed to do it before you take the miser. And the reason for that is, and as long as you didn't do this separation from the chaff, from the, from the, from the uh, thing, it's exempt from tithing. And the reason is because it's mixed with these moits with these, uh, and teven, with the, because, because the straw and the chaff, a putter, are exempt from, from tithing. Not only are they themselves butter, okay? So you'll say it like this: If I'm eating the chaff, I don't have to, uh, I don't have to uh, tithe it. But if I'm eating the grain, the kernels, I do have to. Now he's saying, no, not only that. As long as the chaff is mixed with it, then even the wheat itself, even the wheat kernels. You're allowed to eat without tithing them, as long as you're not making a full meal. As long as you're not taking, you're eating just, um, you're, you're just taking like uh, just a few kernels here and there, you're allowed to. Achilas arai, temporary eating, not a full meal, you're allowed to. Um, before. But after you make the miruach, once you already wind shoveled and you separated the, uh, the, um, the kernels from the chaff, then you're not allowed to even take one kernel without giving miser. Say, El Machilas Arai, their potter Machilas Arai, Ad Miruach, until you do the Miruach, until you do the winning of it. Ki do as it is done. The holes and the reason is, Because the moats, the chaff, or the, or, the, or the straw, is only a protector for the wheat. It is only a klipa, it's like a shell for a fruit. So, 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 so just because it, so what's wrong if it's there just because it's, so it's a shell fine it's not the main fruit and therefore it's not obligated in tithing what is the, what is the relationship what is the idea what's the connection he says like this what's miser when something is miser means that a certain holiness comes down on it it's like a saying over here when something becomes miser means that it becomes kaddish why does every tenth grain become kaddish now technically it doesn't mean that you know, every tenth. Yeah, miser means a tenth. What it really means is from every ten kernels that you have, the tenth one is miser. But since you can't go and count one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, and then put... So you take a general tenth from the whole thing. But really the meaning is that every tenth one is miser. Why is every tenth one miser? And the answer is because Kedusha holiness manifests very intensely, very intensely on the tenth level. Why on the tenth level? Because we know always that the tenth level is malchus. The tenth level is malchus, and and malchus is the last sphera, and malchus is the purpose of all. All the other spheres are all introductories to malchus. What's the point of all the spheres? Why is there chachma? Why is there bina? 
It's all to facilitate, to bring about Malchus. And through Malchus we bring about creation. So the purpose is Malchus. Since Malchus is the last and final attribute and the last and final state, we know the rule, the beginning is wedged in the end. That means that the true beginning of God, so to speak, the true infinite light, the light of Keser, who wears, who wears a crown? Does Bina wear a crown? Does Chesed wear a crown? None of them wear a crown. Who wears a crown? Keser Malchus. Malchus has a crown. The Melech wears a crown. Why? Because the Indian, Dafka, the lowest, is associated with the highest. That's why also, for instance, seven days of the week, the seven Midos, which is the lowest. Shabbos is the lowest. Because Shabbos is, in the sense, what? It's Malchus. Sunday is Chesed, Monday is Gemur. These are much higher spheres. Yet, which one is holy? Which one becomes crowned with the crown of Shabbos with the infinite light? Shabbos, Shabbos Kodesh, the seventh one. Malchus is connected to the highest. So the same is in, in every aspect. The tenth, in Shabbos it's the seventh, because it's only in the context of seven. But in, in, in when we're talking about ten, it's the tenth level that is holy. So good. So the tenth grain now needs to become holy. The Kedusha has to, has to descend on it. Problem is that Kedusha cannot descend on, klip, on Klippa. Where there is klipa, it can't take hold. Since the mites, since the straw is only klipa, and it's not two things. First of all, it's klipa, and kedusha cannot reside on klipa until you chase the klipa away. So therefore, until you're not going to get rid of the mites, the mites, the klipa, the kedusha is not going to come down. Follow? Just like you can, for instance, take an esrog if it's uh, from the three years of arla. An esrog. Why? Because since it's still so, it's far klipa. You can't bring Kedusha's Esrog down on the Esrog as long as it has the Klippa of from the, from the Arla from the first three years. Right? And that's... So, um, so this is the idea, but there's another Indian that he explains, in addition to that, that the Kedusha cannot reside on the Klippa. Kedusha means connected to God. Anything that's connected to God is not temporary. Anything to connect it to Hashem is permanent, is MS, is truth, is permanent. Since the mites, since the straw is a temporary thing, it can't, it doesn't connect to Kedusha. Kedusha is MS, truth, what is forever. The mites, therefore, as long as this temporary mites is there, it doesn't become miser. Can't take hold of it. Let's read it inside. The idea of miser, it is known. It is the supernal holiness. It says, The tenth one should be holy for God. Behold, over and everything. The tenth is always holy. Even in the particulars of holiness. There isn't holiness. Only on the tenth level, that's where in the tenth level things, there is a Kedusha. In the tenth of it. And the reason is, we said earlier, Oh, I was thinking while I was teaching, just a thought that occurred to me. We know that we have a power to make something holy. We have, we have a power to make something holy. How do we make something holy? By co- consecrating it with our mouth. Now, you can't consecrate something with your thought. If you're thinking from today till tomorrow, I want to make this kedusha, I want to make this animal hagdish, it doesn't become hagdish. Machshava doesn't work. It has to be bedibor. You have to say it with your mouth. More than that, if you take it and you pick it up with your hands, it doesn't either work. 
you need to say it. Now, if you look at, if you know the story of the human being, of you know, the, we know the etymology, the spiritual etymology of a human being. You got the kayachachman vinas in the brain, and the two hands are the midos chesed gevura. Yet all these things can't bring kedusha. The only thing that brings kedusha is the tenth level. What's that? That's your mouth. It's firas amalchus malchus pet. That means that dafke in our mouth is where kedusha takes place. Same idea that we're saying in the tenth level, in the tenth dimension, there is holiness. So the tenth of each, 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 a tenth of the grain becomes holy as well. On the tenth level, for the reason that we said earlier, from the beginning is wedged in the end. And since so, that's why the holiness of Maiser it can only be on the body of the peri. Similar to what I discussed on the Monday night share. Whoever was here on the Monday class and last week's Thursday night class, we learned that the reason on Erev Shabbos, we have to take a shower. So we learned an amazing thing last week. The reason we have to take a shower on Erev Shabbos is simply clean. You have to be clean. Kavit Shabbos. But there's a much deeper esoteric reason why we take a shower Erev Shabbos. So we learned last week it's because when the Jew, when Shabbos comes, and the Yid is going into Kedusha, you're going into holiness, your Nisham is going into holiness, but not only is your Nisham going into holiness, your body is also going into Kedusha. Everything in Shabbos, your body, your entire being is in, a, in holiness. The Kalipa wants to follow along. The parasites that are connected want to come along. So the parasites attach themselves to a person in their nails, the, the filth that gets under the nails, that's where the Kalipa resides. And also in sweat and perspiration and all that, all that is Kalipa. The reason why you have to shower spiritually, it's a spiritual meaning, is because you have to f- knock the klipa off. You can't let, it says that Friday night, we learned last week in the Mimer, every Friday afternoon, a fiery rod comes down and slices the klipa away. It, 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 it whips the klipa and the klipa runs. The hot shower that we take on Erev Shabbos, Dafka is supposed to be hot, that Rizal says, because you want to connect to that supernal fire that chases the klipa away. We spoke about this this past Monday. Same idea. Kedusha cannot be shore in the klipa. The klipa must be... That's why as long as the moitz is there, it, it won't be holy. It's only the shomer canal. Kedusha also does not reside... Kedusha is always in the panemius of something. In the ikar of something. So Kedusha resides in the Jewish people also. Because we're the panemius of the world. Kedusha resides in the Beis Amigdash, in Yerushalayim. Yerushalayim is the panemius of the world. In Eretz Yisrael, because Eretz Yisrael is the panemius of the world. Always in the Indian panemi, that's where Kedusha resides. Shehu gufachita, which is the body of the wheat itself. Elakach, and therefore, achaloy nimrach kri. Until you don't do the winning of the, of the kri, which is the wind shoveling. Gam hachita petura. Also the wheat is exempt. Menamaiser from the tithing. Because as long as you have the klipa mixed into it, even the chita is not ready to receive the light. Just like the Jew cannot receive Kedusha Shabbos if his body is filthy. Because the klipa is still there, the Kedusha cannot come down. Um, because the holiness of Maiser cannot dwell for the reason we said before. But what is this all? This is all an illustration. What is he trying to? It's all a demonstration to show us that the moitz, which is the chaff, is so external. 
But now he's going to ask a question. What do you mean it's external? The, the wheat can't grow without it. You don't have the straw. So we would think that what? This is so much part of the very chita itself. Because if it couldn't possibly grow without it. And the answer is a child also is born with a placenta. But when, the child, or when do you need the placenta? The little sack where the child is in in the mother's womb. Only while the baby is developing. But once the baby comes out, if the baby remains with the placenta, it, it, it's no good. In other words, so everything has its man. The klipa and the shomer is needed only until it develops. Once it's developed, it has to go out of it. And the same is also with the, with the chita. The chita needs very much this chaff, but only until it's, it's, it can stand on its own. Once it's ready, it's finished, it's reached its gemar, it's, it's, uh, it's completion, it, it fully grew into itself, it doesn't need it anymore. And then it's a hindrance, then you've got to get rid of it. How is the moitz not considered the chaff to be part of the main thing? It's considered secondary. Without it, the chita would not grow at all. As we said earlier, the idea is we're holding all the way in the bottom of the first column. In truth, the reason and the cause of the growth is coming through the chaff. Because it is taking the chayim, the heat, the halachos, and the moisture. But after the fruit grows, then he doesn't need his shaymer anymore. And you throw it away. Then you have to you throw it out, and this becomes the pesolas, the garbage that is thrown out. But at the time when the wheat is growing, then the moitz is a atore, it's a crown, to the, to the, to the wheat. Like a atara, like a crown that surrounds a person's head. And this is the mashal, the ma'atrele kesasa, the shabulta. That it surrounds him, it crowns him like the beard of a, of a wheat kernel to the shibolas, to the, to the kernel. The asasa, which is this beard, ma'ateres, lechita, crowns the wheat. Bebchenas makiv, to shield her, to protect her. Kenal, as we said earlier, v'dar Now we begin, sif gimel, pere gimel. V'neanim shal mikolze yuvan, the nimshal, the 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 what 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 um, we the 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 nimshal of this, which is the how do you call it, the analog, not the analog, no, is is the analogy, and what's the what is it? No, the analogy is is for you're comparing it a parable for a for something, and what's that other something called in the in the context of analogy, not analogy or. Yeah, whatever. That's the nimshal. What? Analog? No, maybe. Okay, I don't know. In a nimshal, he calls a yuvam b'avodis Hashem will be understood in the service of Hashem. He's going to explain what is our chaff that we need. When we want to grow as a, as in our connection to Hashem, we also need a little bit of that chaff. We deal with that. We said earlier that a Talmud Chacham, the Talmud Chacham is someone who receives the Ebishter's truth, and therefore he gets excited with love and fear. Because he's receptive of the Orin Sof, he's receptive of God's Emes with Chachma. And he has Bittel. And he has Bittel. Because the Orin Sof dwells in Chachma. 
This that we compare him to the body of the chita. That would have gotten burnt. And she would have gotten moldy. Without the, without the chaff. How do we see that? What is, how, do, how do we translate that into our lives? We see anybody that's beginning to serve Hashem in the service of God when it comes to davening anybody that is suddenly realizes you're drawn to Hasidus you're drawn to these rich ideas and you recognize that you want to daven and you really really want to experience all these experiences and you want to and it takes a lot of work it takes a lot of meditation first it takes a lot of learning and then after you learn you have to really think a lot and then you have to deeply contemplate what, that which you've thought already and understood while you're davening. And you daven very slow. And you meditate. It's a very, very, very difficult, difficult hard avoda for a person to come to a deep connection to the Ebishter in davening. And same as in other things. Okay? It's not possible for a person built. It takes a tremendous amount of stamina. It takes a tremendous amount of perseverance and determination. It's very, very hard. Because we know, especially in our generation, forget about it, we're so ADD, we have no patience to think about anything for more than seven seconds. That's why that's all the marketing today is all about getting things into three seconds, five seconds, <laughs> because no one has patience to think it to, to, to any longer. In any case, so it takes a lot of determination to be able to think about something for a long time. So, but what is the, so what is the drive behind it? You have to have very much of, I want I want this. I want to connect Hashem. I really want to feel. I want to experience. I want to have... Built the Amtsayas Midas HaGasas. It requires the person to have gasas, to have haughtiness. For who? And what is that haughtiness? You make yourself into a somebody. Vidavar and a thing. Vidavar ma? And you're something. I want to be a chassid. I want to be a servant of God. I want to be the Yesh Mishaivit. And, and there is now there is someone who is serving. And when you're not, when things are not working out, it's hurting you. It's bothering. It really bothers you. The person really, really, really does not want to be disconnected. And it hurts him and it bothers him. The Tzemach Tzedek adds, especially when it says in Tanya, it says in Perik Lamed Aleph, that when you get bitter about it, we just learned it. He says when you have meridus, you have bitterness about it. He says that's a klipa. He says the meridus is a klipa. He says you're using klipa for a good purpose. But he says it's a klipa. Because the fact that you're bitter about it is when you take yourself so seriously that you want to do it, and now you're so bothered that it works. So who are you already? But that, Hagam Shazeo Bechefetz, even though it's a good will, it's not a bad will. Bechefetz, you're desiring v'ratzen amiti. It's a real ratzen shechafetz bekirvas Hashem. You want kirvas Hashem. You want closeness to Hashem. Ve'einoi roitzel israchik, and you don't want to be distanced. Makol makom yesh bezeb chenaz gasos. There is a certain gaiva over here. There's a certain um, element of arrogance. Ki nechshav be'einov la'ezedavar. Because you're considering and you're looking at yourself in your own eyes like something, something important. 
that when I'm going to serve God, I'm going to, I'm going to get close. And I'm going to cause pleasure to Hashem. I, maybe I'm just a tiny little, 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 little insignificant shmendrik. So really, this doesn't make. No, but you have to pump yourself up. It makes a difference. First of all, it makes a difference up there. And it's true that it does. Because God chooses that even a shmendrik avoid it. But if you're thinking to yourself, I'm a shmendrik, 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 I'm a nobody. I'm a little peepsqueak and I'm trying. That's not enough to get yourself going. You have to think, yeah, I'm, I'm going to serve Hashem. I'm going to daven and I'm going to learn. And as a result of that, I'm going to get close to God. And I'm going to illuminate all worlds with light that's going to come from my mitzvahs. Well, yeah, you're taking, uh, making too much of yourself. that in all of this, there was a chassad of the Alter Rebbe who lived in Moscow. No, he lived in Petersburg. He was, one, he was the person that, when the Alter Rebbe was released from jail, he went to his house. Living in Petersburg, he had a lot of nisyonis. I can imagine. Today, everybody lives in Petersburg. <laughs> we live in worse than Petersburg. He's talking about the, I, I like the way they describe it, like in, in, in the, in the Chassidus, they describe that this person lived in Petersburg, and he had a lot of tests. Because whatever, you know, the Tznias in Petersburg is not the same like the Tznias in Lubavitch. In a little shtetl. So that's what Then I'm thinking to myself, this is 250 years ago in, in Petersburg. What would it say now about everybody living in Hollywood? <laughs> but in any case, so it says, how did he beat his Yetzirah? So this is what it was. He would say to himself, I, a chassid from the Alter Rebbe, I'm going to go do another. Mia, a chassid from the Alter Rebbe, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a London. I'm a, so he used this gaiva, and that was his. Uh, um, the, 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 the Rebbe Marash once came out. They wanted him to say Hasidus. He came to a town, a whole story, and he didn't. Um, and he didn't. And at the end, he, he, he wasn't. He didn't have the kayak to say Hasidus. I don't remember why, but he got up there and he spoke a couple of words. He said, "In in the world, Bechlal, there's something called as past and as past nisht. As past means it's befitting for you, or it's not befitting for you." He says, "By a Hasid, there has to be a whole list of as past and as past nisht." As past said to be so and so. I remember the whole list, I read it last week. A whole list of things that is, that is fitting for a chassid. A chassid should care about another Jew. Like as past said to be so. But what's his whole idea of the past? Past means you have a certain, like, for me it's not befitting. It's below me to do so and so. So that's a gaiva. But that's a healthy gaiva that we need to have to. So, as it's, that in all this, there's another Indian over here. There is someone that is toiveya. He's saying, he's saying like this. That in, 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 in a person sees this. They're going to demand of me. They're going to demand of me. Yankel, how come you didn't die? Yankel, how come you didn't learn? How come, how come you didn't keep mitzvahs the way you should? So you're realizing that there is a toiveya. Toiveya means there is the, they're going to demand the one that is demanding. And there is a nidva. There is someone who is being demanded from. Vareyesh taino utviya. There is a taina, there is an argument. Utviya, there is a demand. The yachel lifter es and I'm able to exempt myself and argue out. I was tired, okay. But even if not, if I'm saying, you know what, I have to, I have to keep my obligations. The kol says, but even this whole back and forth that they're going to demand of me is That shows that you're distant from God for a very simple reason. You're a separate entity on your own. That's why you're a somebody in your service. It's as if 
you're paying what you're obligated to pay. You're making a payment. But you're, you're saying like this, I'm, I'm me, I have my life, but look, what's that? God created me, and He demands of me, and I have to keep, I have to pay my dues. That itself is such a yashas. Because in truth, Shabbat truth, Avo Be'emes, let's read it, what he's saying. Im if a person would have been truly cleaving to God with complete connection, amitis of truth, you don't need a reason why to do a mitzvah. There's no reason. It just is. How can, how can God's will be ignored? Who do you think you are to ignore God's will? What kind of question is it even whether you're going to go to Mairev or you're not going to go to Mairev? You're going to dava mincha, you're not going to... What kind of question even is it? The whole question of you, whether I'm going to do or not do what? I mean, someone is asking you. There's an Amos. There's the Abishter, And there's God's will. And God's reality. God is reality. The reality of who? The reality of you. The reality of me. The reality of everything. It's not shayach even a question whether do or not do. Moshe Rabbeinu was paying his duties. The Abishta's will is. That's it. That's what happens. So the very fact that there is a debate, and, and even this that I say, as he says, When someone is davuk, when someone is cleaving to the essence of the divine, then he's not nifrad, he's not separated onto himself. Then there's nothing but him. There isn't somebody who is chayiv, is me, and I have obligations. There's no taino tvili. You can read this talus tvilin, but it's not if you read it wrong. Shaloshayach inyan taino utviya cloud. There's no taino. Elarak echot pashet bulvad. There's one mitzias. The ain davas ulasay cloud. There's nothing but God. It's like there's an argument. Do you debate when it comes to eating? Is it like the Alter Rebbe says about Hillel Taka that he used to tell? You know what? I, 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 let's go do a favor to the body. But for most people, you are your body, and your body is you. If you eat, you're hungry, you eat. It's not like there's an argument, okay, now I know what I got, I, I, gotta go, I gotta go feed my body. I mean, well, you, most of us don't think like that most of the time at least. It's just natural. So that's the way it is. If you're totally connected to Hashem, Hashem's will is natural. It's not... And it gives the example. By Avram Avinu, it says, Hashem found his heart, his heart was, was it's trustworthy, or it's complete, it's full with Hashem. It says, So what does it mean, Nemon Lefanecha? Pidish, Levav Nemon, Levav Nemon, a devoted heart, or he didn't have a separated heart at all. And, and that's why it says in one word, which implies both his hearts. Because Avram Avinu did, meaning both his hearts were one, it's only one heart. He doesn't have two hearts, Yitzhah and Yitzhahara. And where there's a debate. And then I am deciding that I'm going to do this. Why? Because I don't want to be separated. 
There's only one heart. It's one simple desire. There's nothing but God. Something, nothing but Hashem. In front of you. Because Avram Avinu experienced Lifanecha. He stood in front of Hashem, recognized and experienced the MS of Chachma, as we said earlier, of total Bittel. So he was nullified to Hashem, whatever. That's why we, we talk and know by Avram Avinu, it says, that when he thought it was Hashem's will, that his body was so tuned in by, by Avram Avinu. By Avram Avinu, his body was so synchronized with the divine, so unified with the Abishter, that his body did automatically what Hashem wanted. And then by the one time, by the Akedas Yitzchak, when the Abishter didn't want Avram, when Hashem didn't want, when the Abishter did not want Avram Avinu to Shech Yitzchak, but Avram thought that Hashem does want, it said he had to push his hand. He stretched out his hand because the hand didn't go because his hand was automatically tuned into the Abishter's will. And when his heart, and when his heart is Neman, without any Tamim, without any, any, any uh, Tamim, Oz, then, then the Abishta makes a covenant with him. Then the Abishta makes a covenant with Avram. To give in to his to his to his children, the knani, the chiti, meaning like this: when someone's heart is so conscious, so aware, so tuned in to the reality of God, then what does it say right after? What does it say right after Vayvorech David? You found his heart being complete, devoted to you. That you made with him the covenant to give him what? To give him the land of the seven nations. What's the connection? Because the land of the seven nations are what? The seven nations are the seven emotions. The Knani, the Chiti are the seven emotions. Conquering the seven nations means <coughs> that you conquer your seven unholy emotions. That means that we have conflict within us. We have a holy love that wants to love Hashem and we have an unholy love. We have a holy power of discipline and fear and then we have an unholy union. And we struggle back and forth. Sometimes we experience love towards good things. Sometimes we experience attraction and love towards not good things. So we're back and forth. But Avram Avinu, once Hashem found his heart, Neman Lefanecha, Avram Avinu's reality was so permeated with the absolute truth of Einoid Movadoi. So then what happens automatically to a person like Avram? Is there conflict? Is there, is there even, even, even a... You know, well, what's the conflict? Conflict is, now I want to I, I learn. We all have that. We have to, I want to learn Torah. I want to go to the Shia. I want to watch a movie. I want to learn Torah. I want to watch a movie. Should I go to the Shia? Or should I just watch the movie? Or should I, I'm tired. I just want to lay in bed. I want to turn on the television and watch. I want to look at YouTube videos. That's what I do. That's what I want to do now. I'm not in the mood of going to the ship. Oh, you know what? No, I'm going to overpower it. I'm going to go to the ship. Gavaldi. For us, it's a tremendous victory. But there is a conflict. The only reason there is a conflict be, be, between both wills is the problem is not with the will. Here's the thing. The problem is not that you have a will to 
to watch the movie. That's not the problem. Of course that's a problem. We, I'm not saying it's not the problem. Of course it's the problem. But there's a much deeper, more subtle problem. You know what the problem is? Your problem is that you have a will to go to the shear. That's a problem. The will to go to the shear, that's the problem. The reason why you have a will to go to the movie is because you have a will to go to the shear. What are you talking about? What does that doesn't make any sense. And the answer is because you have a will to begin with. Once I, I am, I am, I want. What do I want? I, can, I have options. I can want this and I can want that. The fact that the reason I'm going to the shear is because I want to go to the shear. So that, that space of I want leaves room for the klipa to say I want that. Today I want this, today I want that. Because your whole Yiddishkeit is based on I want. But if you're permeated and pervaded with the reality that God is and there's none but Him, so you're going to the shear not because you want to learn. You're going to the shear because Thursday night is Hasidic time. That is. That's the way it is. It says so actually in Hasidic. That Thursday night as a preparation for Shabbos, you have to expand your consciousness and you learn Hasidic. Not because... Not because you want to do so, because that's what it is. So is. So I go. So is. Now is mincha. So I go. It's not I want. The moment there is a space of I, then you have struggle. When you have, two, when you have the I am, then you have the two hearts. That's what he says. By Avram Avinu, since there was no I there at all, he was totally canceled his I to, the, to God that Hashem is. So then automatically... He conquered all the all the seven manifestations of Yetzirah because they don't exist anymore. They can only exist on a foundation of ego, where there is no ego at, at all. When ego is totally eliminated, then the heart is filled with the Abishter. Every emotion is just is just is, is just a, about Hashem because there's nothing else to be about anything else. There is no that's the idea. But the Alter Rebbe is going to explain, this is wonderful and great. How many Avram Avinus are there? It's Avram Avinu. Most of us are not there. So most of us need to use the arrogance of, ah yes, I want to learn, I want to dive. We have to create a holy eye. A good eye. Eye is never holy, but we can make it into the best eye possible. It says on Hasidus an interesting thing. It says the Yetzirah when he comes to a person, he says, It says that the Gemara wants to tell us that the Yetzirah doesn't come to a person and pounce upon a person on one shot, want to get you to serve idols. It's ridiculous. The Yetzirah will never ever attempt that. He knows he's doomed for failure. So what does he do? Starts with small little things. You don't have to wash Negel Vassar by your bed. You can wash by the sink. Shachan Archet says that if you don't... So you make a little bit of a room. Then he says, you know what? You didn't wash Negel Vassar by Maybe you can try this today. And maybe then... And slowly he starts pushing the... Until he gets you to do Avod That's what the Gemara says. Today he tells you to do so. That's a simple meaning. In Hasidus, there is a much deeper, subtler explanation to this. Doesn't mean do an avera. Today he tells you to do so means do an avera. No. Today he tells you do the mitzvah. The Yitzhahar is telling you to do the mitzvah, and then tomorrow is going to get you to sin. Say, wow, what do you mean? 
How be, and the answer is, if, if your attitude in the Yiddish guy, I agree to that. Yeah, I should. I, I really think I should do that. I really think it's a, it's a good thing. Makes sense to me. I think it's right. Who asked you? The fact that you're doing it because your Yetzirah said, I say, yeah, I think that's, I like that. Makes sense to me. A lot of people, a lot of people you talk to them, it makes sense to me. I, I, I like that. And anybody asked you? Did God who created the, the, the universe and all of existence need your approval that you should say, ah, oh, I like that. Does it really? But the very fact that we think that, I, oh yeah, I say kach, do so, that's already, the moment it's up to me deciding that that's a nice thing or a good thing to do and I should do it, that's a problem already. From there already the wedge has been created between the Jew and God. You're not living in truth, in MS, and then there's already a disconnect. But again, the Alter Rebbe is not saying that if we're, we're, we're not, that, that if we're still in this state, then we're quite on the contrary. The whole mimer here is to explain that most of us are not in that state of absolute just flow. We're totally one continuum, one channel, one conduit for the Ebishter. Most of us do have an ego. So now the contrary, you have to use your ego to support your Yiddishkeit. As he says, <speaking in Hebrew> Through the bittel, all the all the all the klipa falls. Through Avram's trusted heart, there's no argument even to be separated. He wants to come close. He never. It's not like Avram is deciding to get close. He never was separated. He says, "Not every person merits to such." Fusion, such integration with the divine. The Mailas Avraham Bitchila to the quality of Avraham in the beginning. Because this trusted and complete heart, who that it comes after Avraham Avinu was completed in very high levels. And Avraham was called with the Toisephes of the He. Avram is not called Avram, he's called Avraham. But initially he was called Avram. So when did Avram attain this level? Uh, when, he was, when he was called with a hey, Avraham. The truth is we're going to see later in the Mimer that Avram Avinu was all the time in his life in this state. It was never about him, that he is choosing, he wants God, he wants a relationship. Avram discovered God. And when Avram discovered monotheism and the belief in one God, he recognized that everything is Hashem is everything. And he was bottle. His entire life he was bottle. His heart was filled with the truth. That's the way it was from the beginning. But in Avram itself, we're going to see these two stages. There was before his bris milah, before he was added a hay to his name, and, 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 and then after his bris milah, after the hay was added to his name. The difference was that before Avram Avinu's bris milah, even though he achieved a certain level of neman lefanecha, of unification with God, yet... Um, something negative came out of Avram. And that is Yishmael. Yishmael emerged from Avram. Even as perfect as Avram was, Yishmael came from him. And we're going to see an interesting thing. In a sense, Yishmael came from Avram precisely because he did not have the protection of the little bit of gaiva. 
Had Amram had a little bit of that arrogance that we're talking about over here that you're supposed to have, the, the, the 64th of it, then he could have protected himself from Yishmol coming from him. It's actually because Avram did not, because he was so Nemon. You see, as he's going to explain later in the Bible, an interesting idea. Nemon lefanecha, your heart is complete with God. That is a, a beautiful, that's the ultimate, that's the ultimate, that's the ultimate achievement. But it, it, it works only when you're mature in your divine service. When you're still in a state of immaturity in your divine service, and when we say mature and immature, I mean everything is relative. Avram Avinu, until his bris milah, even though he's 99 years old of serving God, Messias Nefesh, is considered immature in his avodah. Compared to afterwards. And when I'm saying immature, just understand that. Mature, I mean, I don't mean a baby. I mean, I'm talking about, it's still considered the beginning. So to serve Hashem in the manner of total bittel, before you're completely ready for it and reach the maturity for it, in other words, you knock out the ego to begin with, that can cause problems. It's better for a person than in the early stages of his avoda. he should have an ego in his Yiddishkeit. Like you see with the wheat, when the wheat is growing, it does have a chaff until it matures. Once it matures, Get rid of the chaff. Chaff is not good. And it's negative. But until the wheat matures and reaches its full stage, it needs the chaff. Avram Avinu was, perf- was, was kind of a wheat stalk growing without a stat- uh, 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 chaff. And therefore something negative came out of him. Because he served Hashem with too much bittel without, as we're going to see in a minute. After he had his bris milah. Before he had his bris milah, Yishmael came from him. That's the klipa of chesed. Let's understand, what's Yishmael's coming have to do with Avram Avinu being so bottle, so humble? You see, because Avram Avinu was chesed, Avram is kind. Because he was so humble, he was kind to everybody. Kind, kind, and he had no limit to his kindness. And even when you dealt with someone that would would use the kindness in a negative way, because Avram was so humble and small by himself, and so nullified and so mitziasless, without that little bit of arrogance, and so bottle, he was even he 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 saw virtue in everybody and in everything, and even in a criminal like Lish Yishmal, that too was in Avram's mind. You know, he deserves kindness as well. And give, and give, and give. Which would have been avoided had Avram had a little bit more of a, a little bit more of a, of a focus in terms of the, of his, of his, we'll see it a little better soon. The chesed elyon, the kluz, lefisha Avram chesed because Avram was a chariot to the divine chesed, the kedusha, and Hashem's chesed is boundless. Avram made a terrible mistake. He blurted out a few words that were still praying the price for it till now. Avram prayed for Yishmael. Avram said, let Yishmael live and be healthy. Exactly those words. Let Yishmael live and be healthy. And his words, it's true as son, but look what we have now. Look what we have dealing with now. Hamas, Hezbollah, one after another from the, from the, from the Mamzerim. Okay, but it's all in general. It's 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 from the mishpacha. 
you know exactly who and it's in the lineage it's in the line so all these cholerists all these all these terrorists it's all because Avram said Lu he's willing to be kind his kindness leaked out the light of his chesed, the energy of his kindness, should go down so far, even to Yishmael. Because the power of the supernal kindness, can descend, and can go down, to the lowest of the low. And precisely because the chesed is so high, Shenikra Chesed and Gedula Chesed is called Gedula greatness. Ain't a typhus makam lafana. The 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 negativity, the ra, the evil, the trouble that Yishmael was making, because the Chesed is called the midah. It's the attribute of Gedula of greatness. It's considered insignificant. Kehashecha ka'ira like darkness, like light. Ekeinyan shamamis piyadayim titafis. Like we say that the the spider. What's the idea? He's saying precisely because of God's exalted greatness, sometimes a lot of bad things can get away with it. Where do you find such a, a very interesting concept? Everybody, Shlomo Melech says a fascinating thing. Shlomo Melech says everybody chases a spider. No one likes a spider. Everybody chases the spider. There's one place of a spider finds refuge and protection. Where it's safe. You know what that is? In king's palaces. In the king's palace, the spider makes itself a nice little web and it's comfortable. The reason is, when you're living in a little two by seven house, when there's a spider in your house, you feel the spider as a ginormous being because it's you and the spider living together. Right? But when you're living in a huge palace that is so big and the holes are so big, when the spider makes itself a little thing in the corner, no one notices it. Because of the expansion of the king, because it's so vast and it's so big, it's that the insignificance of this creature is it's not, it's not enough, it's not in your focus, it's not in your line of vision, so to speak, it's not there. But in, a, in regular people living in a smaller home, the fire, everybody's chasing after the spider. So that's it. Being that God's kindness, God is so big and endless and boundless. So the fact that you have a few troublemakers, terrorists, this, that, doing that, it's too small to pay attention to it. It's not a big, to us it's a huge problem. But to an infinite God, it's a small one. Okay, so what? So they, so they made another bomb and exploded over here. It's so insignificant, so small. Because she's so small, she's in the chambers of the king. So therefore, Mitzad Avram being the, the, the facilitator of God's kindness, he was able to tolerate even Yishmael. And here's an amazing thing. He says. It's a very deep thing. Why did God create us? That we need to have a little bit of ego and a little bit of arrogance in our Yiddishkeit. Until we reach, until we reach total unification with Hashem and we can discard, we can get rid of the arrogance, we can get rid of the ego completely. So he says an amazing thing. The reason we need to be gaivadig a little bit is because by us being gaivadig, we cause the Abishter also to be gaivadig. And we need God to be gaivadig as well. We need God to be a little bit haughty in the sense 
that he says, you, I'm not giving to you, you're, 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 who are you to get? In other words, if Hashem is very, very humble and very, and very giving and very tolerate, tolerates, and he tolerates everything. And when he tolerates too much, it isn't good. You need God to also have a little bit of a, of a I have my, my friends. Who are my friends? Kedusha is my friends. You need Hashem to feel that I have friends. And that comes when God senses within Hashem Himself, there's Hashem Moloch Geos Lavish. Hashem garbs Himself in Geos. What's Geos? Hashem garbs Himself in Geos, in majesty, in power, in might. And He says, you're my friend, you're my enemy. What causes Hashem to go into that mode? When we're using that gaiva, when a person says, I'm a chassid of the Alter Rebbe, and I'm going to do an Avera, when a person has that sense of self and self-importance to himself, he causes God to also have a sense of self-importance. And Hashem says, if I'm self, I'm going to hang out with that, with that, with that low life. I'm going to give him life. No, no, no. I'm not giving him a penny. You want the Abishter to have that arrogance as well. And that's caused not by the humility of Avram. The humility of Avram is causing the exact opposite. Because Avram is so humble and so lowly and so nullified. So he surrenders himself to every... He's, 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 he's channeling down to the lowest of the low. But we don't want that. At certain times we want Hashem to feel mirumam and exalted. I'm the king. Someone who disrespects me, throw him out. Get rid of him. But when the king is not feeling that way... So here's what the Abishta does. Since his, he reacts to the world, midah keneged midah, that means there's nothing in God that happens on its own. Hashem tzilcha, Hashem is our shadow. Just like a shadow only acts exactly like you're acting. Every movement you do, your shadow does. Simultaneously with you. So therefore God, nothing happens in the divine realms without us doing it down here. So if there's no arrogance down here, there's no self-importance down here, there won't be self-importance up there. And if there won't be self-importance up there, God's light and energy can flow to everybody, free to all. But when Hashem has a certain like, I'm the king, and I have a plan, and I have my friends, and I have the enemies, and I don't want them, He throws them down. So that's why Hashem created us, that we need to have this in our service, so that we can give Him that as well. It's an amazing thing. The reason why we need to integrate ego, because Hashem, it's an ingredient that God needs too, even though it's the total opposite of who Hashem is, to have that self-importance. Hashem is the essence of humility. And yet, our, our self-importance gives Him that, 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 that as well. That's what He says over here. This is the reason that the Talmud Chacham needs to have a little bit of self-importance. 164. Through our arousal from below is the arousal above. Literally exactly the same. Because the wind brings a wind. Whatever face we show above, that's what's drawn down below. With this is Serusa de Latata, with this arousal below. 
Talmud Chacham, by a Talmud Chacham, Nasis Rusitayla, this causes the Isiris above, Leos Lamaya Lagamkain to be above as well, Pchenas Geos Vehis Nasus. This arrogance and this elevation, Bekedushel Yainan, the supernal holiness, Kial Yadesha Nimtsab Pchenas Gasos, Betalmud Chacham, when the Talmud Chacham below has a certain self importance, Bemasha Einoi Roitza Li Parade. Where he says, I don't want to be separated. I'm important enough by myself. What I want, I want to be connected. I don't want to be separated. The canal, the chafe to be cure of anyone's closeness, which means he's exercising his eye. Kach lemaila, that causes by Hashem to also say, I also have a desire. What do I want? I want those that are connected to me. I don't want those that are disconnected. That Hashem should reject the wicked. Who does he reject the klipa? He rejects Yishmael. He rejects Esav. Like it says, Esav, son Esi. Esav, I hate. Because Hashem rises. Hashem is He goes away from the, from the pompous ones. And those are the wicked. For like Avram, not like Avram, sheyatzim emenu Yishmael that Yishmael came from him. Lefishem etzad aroimim is kolachashiv. On the one hand, when he's so high, everybody is nothing. But today he says an interesting thing: the king doesn't care about the spiders. Generally, because yes, the palace is so big, we don't care. But if the king suddenly decides that what I'm king and I don't want anything. I dislike anybody, right? I, there is what I want and what I don't want. He, he can, when, if, if, and he decides, you know what, get the spiders out of the palace. So then, not only do, do the spiders, do they get rid of the spiders, but they get rid of the spiders like, like nowhere else in the palace. It, you know, the king's exaltedness can cause, on the one hand, it can be a, tal- a ta- tolerance to everybody. But on the other hand, if it's in a state of, I don't tolerate anything that is not in the right order, in the right place. And I want, and this is, then it, it, as he says, when the king is not, when the king lifts himself up, he does give his heart, to be careful, that the light of the hashpa should not go out to the wicked. And even though it says you asked the question with the spider, is that the spider is caught by every hand. Everybody wants to kill the spider besides the king's palace. It's when the king is not looking, then of course the spider gets away. He's not, he's not considering to look <coughs> on something small. But when the king wants to be mashgiach, he will command to take it away from his, from his place. This is only when the king becomes important in his own eyes. That he's careful that the klipa should not receive from him. When he's not in this elevated state, then everything before him is not 
The Einoi Toifes Makam, it's as if they, they, they don't occupy any space. The Yecholim Hakal Kabbal, it's a free kitchen, and everybody can come, even the king's enemies. Keniskal Yal and this is the meaning of the Pasuk, Hashem Ramei Yatcha, your hand is lifted up, Bal Yech Zayin, they shouldn't see you. Ramei Yatcha, lift your hand up. Pidish Davka Kasha Ramei Yatcha, only when you lift your hand. In a state of exaltedness and geos, as I then bal yech zayin in harishayim or then the wicked can't see the godly light. Because he removes with them with with providence, they should not receive. Like it says, exalted over the nations are God. When he when he becomes rum. He pulls away from them. He's great over those that are great, means he removes himself over all those that are haughty. Amnam, as he explains, this that we need to have this little bit of self importance, this little bit of haughtiness is only at the beginning of our service. We, we have that haughtiness and we cause Hashem too to feel a certain pride in being God and not to give life to his enemies. Only at the beginning. But once a person reaches a point of total unification with Hashem, you don't need this anymore. You don't need to be an activator above of this, of this arrogance. He doesn't explain exactly why. I mean, isn't this necessary always? Above at least, that Hashem should withdraw from the wicked? How about Avram? Who Avram Avinu in the beginning had a leakage that Yishmael came from him. He says because Avram Avinu had a pure heart from the beginning and he served Hashem completely selflessness, with complete selflessness, without even a tiny trace of self. Had Avram had a, a, a little bit of a self of something, then he would have been more focused of where he's giving his kindness. He wouldn't just be flowing to everybody. The fact that Avram... So here, Avram's humility and nullification worked against him. It was to his disadvantage. His heart... He had the ultimate service when he was still immature in his Yiddishkeit. I mean, obviously he discovered God, so he's... But there's still a stage of immaturity. Then he caused the Shefa to go, also to one that is not fitting. Because all before him is not, and therefore, you know, the Talmud Chacham has to have a little bit of self-importance, of arrogance. Here he had something evolving. Even contemplating. You're contemplating godliness. And you come to an understanding. And you say, wow, wow. And you get all excited. Because you think that that which you understood is a something. <laughs> what he says, I understood. If you're contemplating God being indwelling and out there dwelling light, this is exciting you. This too is considered you're a somebody. Two things. First of all, you feel that you, you're grasping something. You think you grasp something of God. You think God. You, if God can fit into your brain, it's not God. 
right? There's no thought that can grasp. But this, the essence of the divine, God is higher than being indwelling, and anything, Hashem is beyond everything. Even this contemplation that you think you're getting is also nothing. That's why when a person reaches the ultimate avoda, and you and you you have the ability to cleave to Hashem Himself, then you have no understanding because you real. It says the ultimate knowledge is to know that you don't know anything. But there's two types of people. There's someone who begins, I know nothing. Then there's another person who begins not knowing anything. Then he starts learning and learning and learning and learning and learning and learns a lifetime. And then he realizes the day before he, he, he ascends higher, he realizes he knows nothing. That kind of knowing nothing is a whole different level that someone says, I know nothing. I know you know nothing. There's knowing nothing and there is knowing nothing. There is knowing nothing. And then there is, I know nothing. So the idea over here is that the ultimate is to come to knowing nothing. But when you're caught in the middle, when you think you know something, that's a problem. When you think you know. But it's not a problem because you need it. Because without knowing something, then you don't have no inspiration. The inspiration comes, I learned, I know, wow, this was it. I understood, I grasped. That's part of the arrogance. But it's part of the 64th that's needed. As he says, uh, even the knowledge the Yisboinus is considered like, like the chaff. All the reasons that a person had in all their grasping. Yisboinus and the contemplation. All the days of your work. With love and fear. In the beginning, all secondary. Once you reach true communication with Hashem, when someone really reaches and his soul opens up to experience Hashem's true essence of light, then all you realize that whatever you've understood before, it's all childish. It's mamish childish. It's all not to Hashem Himself. Like it says, Why are you going to give me in heaven? Why are you going to offer me on earth? Everything, it's nothing, it's meaningless. Let's learn one more piece. I'm going to finish the mimer early tonight. We're going to leave the rest of it for next week. Just a little bit more. I want to just complete the from the chaff. That goes around the wheat. Just like the chaff. That guards the wheat. From the heat. And from the moisture. So is the nimshal with the godly spark. Which is called the, the neshama that's planted. The neshama is in the body. The neshama is the wheat. It's planted in this world. It's growing. The neshama would be totally, the neshama would have been completely beaten up if the neshama would not have that little bit of self-importance, that little bit of arrogance. Why? Because when we're here in this world, and there is temptations, that's the heat. We have all kinds of temptations that try to heat us up. And how do you fight it back? If you don't have a sense of, 
How can I do that? I'm a Jew. I'm a Yid. I want to be connected to Hashem. I want to be a good Yid. I want to... If you don't have that I want, then what's going to stand between you and doing any sin? You're pulled into anything. Anything can get it. You have to have the strength of who I am. And I'm not going to do that. Um... The Neshama's light would have been completely destroyed because of the, the intense heat, the moisturize, with all the extravagant delights of this world. Tanugim of pleasures, chitzayinim, the external pleasures. Then chamimah satayva, the heat of the, of the desires. Or the opposite, you can get moldy. The Neshama would get moldy, that means you get lazy. I may riba yakriris because of the intense cold, which the rain has to do with the cold. laziness. What gets a person to learn and to study and diligence and all that is because you have strong ambition. Ambition comes with a strong sense of I am and I want. I want to make a lot of money. I want to do this. I want to be a Jew and I want to be. I want to achieve. I want to be a Talmud Chacham. I want to know. I want to learn. and all that is disgusting. I want. It's a disgusting shell that is necessary until you really, really reach a deep connection to Hashem and you won't need it anymore. But now in the beginning you need it. But guess what? The wheat will not grow unless it has a chaff. It will grow with love and fear. Without a stop. That's this arrogance that there is in the person. He shouldn't want to be separated. I don't want, I don't want to become moldy. The ego is the one that's taking, fighting. In other words, when you, when you have, when you have a, the sun is burning you, which means you have a very strong temptation, you, you let the ego deal with it. The ego says, I don't want. Who's the I? Don't approach it with your neshama. Because Yisham is, is a humble little somebody. The type is going to come to it, he's going to beat the Neshama up so badly. Because the Neshama is so humble. You got to bring your ego out. And your ego says, no, I don't want. The same is also when you're lazy and tired or whatever. So you got to take your ego. What do you mean? Uh, what do you mean I'm not going to, I'm just going to waste my life? You're using the, the eye. You're using the ego to take, to fight against the, the, the moisture, the coldness, the laziness, the apathy and the like. All the shtick that the animal soul has that throws against us, we use the ego of the neshama to, to, to deal with it. This enables the neshama to grow. And grow in love and fear. Until she grows completely. Like it says, I've given you, made like tens to grow up like the, like the, like the, like the, like the plants of the field. You grew. But once she's completed, you throw away the moits, which is the, the, uh, the uh, chaff. And the tenth is holy. And the, and the metaphor for this is once you reach complete growth, then you cleave to God Himself. And then all the reasons and inspiration and all motivations that you have till then go out, of the, go out in the garbage. You can flush them all down. You don't need all these motivations. Because now it's not about being motivated. Now you're just, you're just in the different reality. 
You're in a different reality. Your reality is God. So you don't need motivation to do a mitzvah. You don't need inspiration. This is. This is like, like, like it cannot be anything else. I cannot not learn. I cannot not daven. I cannot not put on tefillin. Because this is. Is there anything else but Hashem? Once you enter, once you pan, once you, once you, once that, that, that MS finally clicks. But until you get to that place, you better have good motivation. And motivation takes a little bit of ego. That's the idea. Motivation is motivated by ego. You need to have a little bit of ego. They fall away. Because now you reached. The same is also. And the same is also from God as well. Through, when, we have, when we do it below, we cause Hashem to do the same thing above. The nimshal is like this. Hashem too has to evoke the arrogance. Through our arrogance, He too evokes His sense of pride. I want, I have a, I have a purpose in creation, this is my business, this is my company, and anybody who doesn't belong, they're out the window. You need God to say that. But Hashem, it's like Hashem is the opposite of pride. But yet, that's the klipa, that Hashem Himself dresses Himself in a garment of importance to Himself. This saves the light from falling into rotting and get ruined. It will, if not, then the sun, it would get burnt. What does that mean? The chitzonim would come and derive too much energy. The klipas would take too much life from Hashem. Because he's so high, he doesn't care. Precisely because he's such a, what we might say, such a big, I'm sorry for using this term for the Abishter, but please understand that I'm only using it in the context to explain what I'm saying. Hashem is such a massive, big teddy bear that everybody can come and get and get and get, and he has enough for everybody. Right? So the Abishter, right? So that, but that's the problem. Because when he's too teddy bearish, and he allows everybody, because he doesn't care, that's no good. So we need Hashem to become a little bit grisly for a few moments. And I want and what I don't like. It's like this, he chases away that which is bad. But, that ha- but, after, but that's only necessary as long as the klipas are here. Once Mashiach comes and the klipas are gone, then Hashem's true humility can shine without needing this, 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 uh, yeah. And once it has grown, the light of the tzaddik, of the, of the supernal chayalam and the supernal tzaddik, ain't tzaddik lepchenas moitz. He doesn't need this moitz v'tevenzeh. V'chol zesh l'zman shalai nimrach ha-kripat v'namaisa k'nav v'daylamev. V'zehu de Talmud Chacham tzaddik li is by gasos shmini shebeshminis. This is the idea that the Talmud Chacham needs to have gasos, the eighth of an eighth. V'chelek samach talit. That's one sixty-fourth. Not a sixty-third. Because sixty-third would mean real arrogance. Gas. The word samach gimel is gas. gas, that's real gas. You have the sixty-fourth. It's got a little bit of this gas. Yash A little bit of it. It crowns a person like the beard around the stalk. Pidish this protects him, we call the varaf from anything bad, and he grows, 
Hashem dresses himself in We'll understand that that's the idea of the horse. The susim. Haman says, bring the horse. The horse is this arrogance. The horse has pride. The horse is a pride, an animal of pride. And the word sus has within it two times the word gas. 63 and 63 equals 126, which is gematria sus. Because the sus represents... Our arrogance with God's arrogance corresponding together, which is necessary. A positive thing. That is a temporary thing needed temporarily. Later you don't need the horse. That's why, um, okay, we'll see. We'll see when we learn the Maimon further. How this all relates to Purim and the whole story of Amen and Achashverish. We'll continue, Bezaz Hashem. Next, the Vach, the Chaim.